0: Yo, sponsoring us today are Rugby for Heroes, a not-for-profit organisation founded by a group of keen and very capable rugby players designed to host fundraising events to raise money for a range of armed forces charities, including 353, Help Heroes, the Royal British Legion and the Soldiers Charity. I personally have benefited from three of those four. I've only just realised that. That is amazing. Thank you to those three. You know who you are. Since forming in 2009 to commemorate the loss in action of Private Joe Whitaker, a four-power lad, they have raised over £100,000 for those benefit charities listed earlier. The founders are members of Old Lemontonians RSC and are massive supporters of our forces and their families. Check them out on their website www.rugbyforheroes.org and their Facebook, Twitter and Instagram feeds at rugby4heroes. Their next major event is the Rugby for Heroes Beer and Gin Festival, obviously Beer and Gin Festival, the rugby players, to be held at the Old Levantonians RFC on the weekend of the 10th and 11th of May 2019. Stick it in your calendar, block it out, sell the kids, do anything you can to get there. Nothing else matters. Beer and gin only with Rugby for Heroes. Don't sell the kids. Unless you can get good a good price. Rugby the Heroes is very proud to be a sponsor of the HR podcast as part of its continuing program of support for veterans, serving members, and their families. Also sponsors today are disaster response charity Team Rubicon UK. Team Rubicon's chiefly ex-military volunteers earned their spurs in hostile character testing environments. Today, they deliver life-saving aid both at home or abroad. Every one of their grey shirt volunteers bring determination and hard-won experience to their humanitarian mission. They are one team with a bias for action, creating order in the wake of destruction. Right now, Team Rubicon is delivering critical aid to the people of Palu, Indonesia. Over 2,000 people are known to have died in the recent earthquake and tsunami, and many thousands are still unaccounted for. In the aftermath, 83,000 people have been displaced, with many living in temporary camps. As monsoon season approaches, the risk of deadly diseases like cholera and malaria increases amongst the survivors. At least 460,000 children have been affected by the disaster, many of them separated from their families. Team Rubicon are one of the very few international NGOs invited by the Indonesian authorities to provide support, but they can only stay in Indonesia as long as their funding allows, folks. They need your help today. Following the devastating disaster, the people of Palu are in desperate need of water, food and shelter. A donation to Team Rubicon's fund could mean the difference between life and death for the people of Palu. You can find out more and donate through their website at teamrubiconuk.org forward slash donate. Team Rubicon believe that those who can make a difference must. Supporting Team Rubicon guarantees that those facing the darkest hour receive the help they need to begin rebuilding their lives. teamrubiconuk.org. Finally, sponsoring us today are Westway Nissan. Westway Nissan are the largest Nissan dealership in the UK and offer up to 20% off their vehicles for members or former members of HM forces. 20% is massive and by chance I drove past their Birmingham, uh, one of their Birmingham dealerships earlier, but I, I digress. They've got new unused vehicles for sale, private and commercial models. They also don't just have dealerships in Birmingham, they've got them all over the UK, even in Aldershot, home of the British Army. If you're thinking about getting a new or used car, you can save yourself a ton of cash best way with a discount for ex-military. Or, if you're a civilian mentalist, you can also get a discount when you walk in, because you know those dealership guys are like, you walk in, you go, hmm, fancy getting a car, and they go, oh, look, we can get you all this stuff off. Or, not get money off, they'll just chuck, like, uh, mod cons at you. You'll end up with about four sunroofs, but you'll have your car. Get online, and I can't guarantee the four sunroofs, I cannot guarantee that, sorry Tony. Get online and have a look at UK, or better yet, get your backside in one of their branches, they're not branches, they're dealerships, and see the cars for yourself. Not only that, if you are ex-military and looking for work, Westway are massive on recruiting you. So if you can get along to them, if you're stuck for work, or if you're not sure what career you're going to go into, or what show you're going to do when you get out, give Westway a call. If they can't give you a job they give you advice. But they will probably try and find you a job if I know uh if I know the boss well and I know the boss well. WestwayNissan.co.uk to buy cars, new or used, commercial or private, or to get some advice if you're getting out. WestwayNissan Nissan on social media. That is it. On to the podcast. An absolute pleasure to have uh Paul gidonis on, the president of Enterprise for Inmarsat. He's ex Royal Signals and um He's a flipping officer. If I'd known that, I wouldn't have booked him on. However, it turned out all right because he had half a brain cell. (laughs) I'm only joking because he's listening right now. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, H plus uh, 34. Paul Goodonis.
1: try not to flex too much (laughs) you aren't already buzz Uh,
0: why the can's not open yours is open mine is open happy days where did you um... mate I said before this textured cans cheers buddy cheers buddy Paul Godonis
1: textured cans yep who makes these so uh, these are a bunch of craft beers. Um, obviously, I like the uh, the whole craft market. Owning a craft cider company, I have noticed that on your Instagram. Oh, ah, yes, is that yours? Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I did not know. Are you?
0: It's <laughs> a plug right at the start. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's your
1: company? Uh, so it's called Revenant. Yeah. Um, we basically, uh, me and three other guys started it up when we are doing uh, our MBA. Um, doing a masters in business associate uh, business administration. Are you um, still doing that? No, no, done. Um, and basically, we, um, we were bored what in a class one day, and we said, "Look, what we need to do is find something that we can base a lot of these projects on, rather than just doing them for yeah you know, for the sake of doing them." Um, what well, a lot of your course projects. Yeah, yeah exactly. okay. And so um, we were basically trying to think about our ideas, and we went into uh, a bar um, in Houston. And we're talking about, uh, you know, what could we do? What could we do for an idea? And we're drinking these ciders. And uh, this Kiwi guy, Richard, Richard Williams, he says, uh, oh, "I can make better cider than this." Um, <laughs> so I'm like, is he on the course? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like really? You know, I mean, the guy, you know, he's a coffee importer. He's a he's a really cool dude. Um, and we're like, hey, really, you can make better cider than this? And he's like, yeah. Well, there's the business idea. Let's make better cider. Um, so Revenant, which means like rebirth. Yeah. Um, so, trying to create something that is different, basically, and uh, so it's very—it's like a dry sparkling cider. Um, and so, yeah, that's where that's where it all started, basically. And uh, it's a bit of a side project um, alongside the other side projects that I've got and the uh, and the, and the full time job. E- Eve, Eve yeah.
0: is our signature cider created from our mission to give new life to apples. <laughs> 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 Brilliant. given to the temptation. Right, I like uh, I, I, th- you had mentioned that to me before. And I completely forgot about it. I do apologise. No, that's okay.
1: But so I yeah, kind of, uh, like the whole uh, the craft beer scene is, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, there's a great little place in Chelmsford called Hopsters on Moulsham Street. Um, which which one's out Moulsham Street? It's, it's uh, it's the one with all the kind of um, shops and bars on. That's just going out of town up towards Tesco's. Yes, I know. Um, so basically, Ed in there, he sells uh, our cider. Um, and uh, he's got an amazing selection of uh, of beers. So, yeah, you know, dropped in there today. I was having a chat with Ed, um, and, yeah, just picked up some beers. How
0: many different... uh, uh, Sorry, going back to the Revenant. How many different uh, uh,
1: (laughs) 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 ciders have you got? So we've only got the one. Um, We brew it in someone else's premises, uh, and um, so it's kind of like a nomad kind of thing. You you use someone else's premises. It's your own recipe. Um, It's designed to be different to normal cider, so it's quite um, dry, mm-hmm. sparkling cider, a bit kind of like a Prosecco, easy drinking sort of thing. Um, so we've only got the one at the moment. The intent is to look at doing something different as well next to that. So either a sharing bottle um, you can take to a party or whatever else, which has already been done. It's not too original an idea, but um, looking to kind of build on that or maybe looking into kegs or something seasonal, mm-hmm. like a, something you could make as a mould cider, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm being from the West Country. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> west Country. I kind of know where it is now.
0: Yeah. That, have you not noticed, being You're from Chelmsford, right? Yep. No, not from Chelmsford. You're from West Country. You live yep. in Chelmsford. Yep. Have you not noticed this end? So you would have noticed it in a different way. When I came west to West uh, to, or actually West Midlands. Yep. West, not not West Country, is it? No, No. Nope. I'm, I'm just, I'm just remembering my lessons from uh, yep. <laughs> three or four of the podcasts. I remember uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, when I came west. So from from Colchester, I lived in Colchester to here, and then also it's the same coming from Wales. If I come from Wales to here, the fo- the flippin' neck, how popular uh, craft craft ales? Yeah, it's mental. It's nuts. In, like in Colchester, it's, you grow, you have a uh, beer. Like a cider, a lager. You know, and then maybe in the pub they'll have a couple of yeah, you know, bog standard, like IPA, you know yeah, you know, bog standard IPA or like brains, no not brains as whales. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. That you all know. But you come here and flip a neck, you walk in the pub and there's more ales Everywhere. in a lot of them than there's on lagers. And not just that, it's the demographic that drink it. It's like my age, your age, and down to t- early to mid twenties, yeah. <laughs> going in and asking for a ju- jug of ale. <laughs> I know, but <laughs>
1: cool. it's it's uh it, it's like people want to try something different. They uh, you know they don't want to just drink Stella or John Smiths or Guinness or whatever else. They want to try something different when they go to different bars. And uh, it's mental, mate. You go the amount of selection you go to now in certain places. Yes, you know, it's, it's great. But I mean, it's good because what I really <laughs> like about it is, um, is it's all small companies. You know, these uh, entrepreneurs are doing things that are getting off their own back and really going and do something different, which is, I think, to be applauded. Right? You, you know, you've seen you know, the social media stuff. One of the biggest things I love at the moment is all these small companies that are being set up by veterans. It, it's mega, you know, and, they're, and they're totally smashing life. And um, you know, that's what I like about some of these things. And there's a there's one called Ink Spot actually, which is um, set up by uh, some army guys down in uh, um, South London. Um, which is which is a pretty good brewery as well. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Is
0: it? it I've asked this before. Um, do you do you think that um, it's more it's that we will be more veterans are start are be more, are more entre- entrepreneurial and set up their own businesses? No, and just saying, I'm going to do it. Um, or is it that we're more it, we, they're better publicising it, and it's all, so it's not really increased. It's the same as before. Yeah. you know, it was the same twenty years ago. People, but. Um, it's just we know we we know more about it because social uh, social media and it can just easy to market it. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, but I don't I I don't know. I mean, probably it's probably a bit of both. Um, I I think that the I think that it's easier to be more successful and build a, a following quite quickly these days because of social media. Um, I mean social media has got its real negative points and you know we've talked about that in the past and uh, yeah, there are a lot of negative points about social media but one thing it is good for is that advertising and business and really kind of bringing people along in, in, uh, to, to give, give an understanding I mean you know the, the good to go stuff and um, all of these uh, all these companies that are now setting up would they have been so successful without social media I don't know no, I don't know no. um, but they play those games really well right and so yeah, I think it's yeah, it is to be applauded. Mm,
0: definitely. There's uh, some Ali kit there, mate. <laughs> Ali kit. I, I, I wake up some days and I think I don't know what to wear. I can't decide. Yeah. And I don't. Wanna, I don't want to I don't want to let any any of the companies down. I want uh, everyone's yeah. stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and there's new ones popping up all the time as yeah. well. I know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How did you um, go back to your MBA? How did you? Uh, Why? What, what led you to go and do a masters in? Yeah, Congratulations,
1: question. by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so. I left school um, with a very small handful of GCSEs uh, and then sort of did some more in evening classes and did some A-levels in evening classes. Um, And then I joined the army. I left the army over a period of time. And um, basically, I I then sort of started getting, when I went into the commercial world working for Inmarsat. I I started getting um, these promotions. uh, And quite quickly, just based on getting shit done effectively um and uh what what i found is i found myself in a position where um i could make decisions based on the limited experience that i had um and on common sense more than anything else um but i was lacking the <clears throat> tools and the um to, the tools to be able to sort of say okay you know this is why i think we should do this this is why i think it makes sense for the company when you talk about things like return on investment and you know, how it impacts the strategy and what your competitors are doing and all that sort of stuff, I didn't understand any of that enough, and so I'd read stuff in books and whatever else. And um, the company, uh, I was chatting to um, the, my boss at the time, and he said, "You know, look, doing really well. What are you interested in doing?" And I said, "I need to. I need to get a qualification. I don't have a degree." Um, I'm getting to a place now where a degree would be useful in case I have to you know, leave the company, um, because a lot of companies will sift on you know if you've got a degree or not wrongly. So, so for me that was like I need to check that box. I need to get a qualification, um, but I also more importantly I need the tools to be able to make these smart decisions about you know how to run a business effectively. So, um, so I said yeah I'm quite interested in doing a, an MBA, um, and it a, I'd looked around at the courses. Uh, found one that was close to the office. it was a weekend thing for a four day weekend once a month so it was i could kind of manage that <clears throat> and um and that was that really i kind of i went for it uh yeah it was an epically uh tough two years but um yeah I made some great mates started a company um <laughs> yeah bizarrely uh and uh, you yeah, know it was it was really worthwhile because it has given me the tools to to get to where I am today basically
0: did you use any of the military
1: um funding for that? Um I didn't. But um they were, they were very, certainly Cass Business School, which is in London, are very keen to bring people in um who are veterans. What uh,
0: what business school, sorry? Cass
1: Business Cass. School. Yeah, C A S Cass, Cass okay. Business School. Um so it's part of the uh uh London mm. London <clears throat> University. Um but it you know it's close to the office. Um and you know it's a it's a it's a good well-known business school um and you know they they really encourage they they try to get veterans through on the course and so i knew a guy Ian kerrigan another guy veteran-owned business um norse uh um, does like beard oils and stuff like that so yeah really really uh really cool it's it called business. Norse. It's he called does norse. beard oil oils yeah. of course it uh, <laughs> And barber products um but so you know and he does other things as well uh, he's a bit of a serial entrepreneur have you ever bought beard oil yeah <laughs> have you got beard oil on right now um yeah <laughs> go on all your yeah. street going on, go on. Yeah, yeah yeah norse beard oil is actually yeah so yeah. it's a good one um look your beard looks radiant i would say it's smooth <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so you know it's uh uh it's, so they basically encourage people to come on, on the courses and yeah no it's, it was good. You know the M&D fund will fund do this I do, yeah. So um we're actually using some of that funding ourselves now <coughs> in Mossat um to put people through courses. Um so so we're actually using this gov- this is a government fund that we're using to help put people through courses who are veterans
0: I'm 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 referring to the fund that an individual can get. So you know you yeah you have your LCAS, You can get the three payments in LCAS and then well you know that aside. Uh, up until a few years ago, I say up until I know that at least a few years ago, up until a few years ago, the MOD would um, would pay for you if you wanted to go to university to do a course. It didn't ma- did I uh, had to do a degree. It didn't matter which, what it was, as long as you were eligible with that university for it.
1: Okay. Mm. I was
0: looking at, uh, at the time, I was looking for either occupational health and safety or, or a security management thing. Yeah. But um, I never took it further. Uh, I will, I will. I think you got, you got to do it within 10 years of leaving. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, four years. It's just, I mean, my opinion the, with it, the, with the degrees these days, it's changed a lot. <clears throat> oh definitely would last sort of a year or so it's i see it it's less important as it was fucking hell, 10 years ago mm. no, that's not to say it's not important but, mm. but less so um but then if i got an opportunity to go and do it and it's not gonna cost me a penny and i enjoy learning mm. you know and and exactly like you said um when when people leave you you said uh well you know i i, I just got stuff done and i you know, uh, solutions in that were obvious. <clears throat> well, they it, like it's like a uh, second nature. and the obvious. I'm gonna when you when you look at when you say let's say obvious. That's obvious to me when you look at. Um, let's talk about a worker. Yeah. Right? Let's talk about a worker. And this is a, this is an example of the way my brain still works now. The difference is I can see how it impacts further. I can see and explain how it impacts further the chain to yeah. from a client to a customer and cost and savings and all that. And there was a. I was involved in a big, a big project. On this project, ad. <clears throat> well, let's just talk about the screws, right? The screws, going into these things that are being made. There was something like thirty-three thousand of these screws going into these components, right? And these aren't you manually put in. It wasn't machines. This is a person with a te- is a tech screw with a, a a tech gun,
1: right? And. uh... I get that after uh, building IKEA furniture. All <laughs> <laughs> no, that,
0: IKEA furniture is harder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: it looks so easy. Come yeah. in, flat pack box, take it out, it's and you're ripping your hair out. Oh, so, so in this, when I, whenever I'm doing anything, yeah, I, it's all about it's all about my first thing is energy expenditure, and 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 um, and what's the word efficiency? Yeah, as fast as I can do it with minimum energy, because go back to the military days yeah energy food mm. yeah and efficiency for energy and time less time less ammo mm. less water needed get the mission accomplished faster it's almost like an autistic thing yeah yeah, that. yeah. so i think from little things i do every day it's it, it's bizarre um now with this project there was a there was two of these guys putting these screws in on these component parts and they were they were getting fatigued halfway through making one of them. It would take about an hour to put three or four hundred. No, no, I tell you, it wasn't an hour. It's like half an hour to put in three or four hundred screws do, 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 along this along this thing. It was it was an epic. That was for each. That was for each of this thing was being yeah. built, and there were thirty three of these. It took weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Ugh. Right, well, halfway through they didn't have a break because their arms getting knackered from the tech gun. Yeah. But if um, it, and while it, they were drilling the they were drilling the screw with the tech gun, and I experienced this because I was helping. Right? Yeah. Drilling the screw with the tech gun, and I what your natural thing is when the screw's drilled in, drill down, then you pick the drill up to put the next screw in, and you move on to the next one. So you're holding the drill in your hand up, your, yeah. your arms yeah. holding the drill up while you're picking the next screw up with your hand, and you put it in the end. So, I changed it. <laughs> So, you screw the drill in. Yeah. You don't lift the drill up. You leave the drill on that screwed-in screw while your left hand goes in and gets the next screw out.
1: Ah, oh, genius. You're
0: genius, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. it? So easy. Right? Then you place that screw in the next hole. Yeah. Pick the drill up in the next. So, the drill all of a sudden, you're only lifting it up for like a split second as, as opposed to holding it up in the air for five seconds. Over 300 or 400 screws, it's a nightmare. Yeah. They didn't need to have a break anymore and they were completing all those screws in about 10 minutes, 20 minutes less. Well, that means they achieve, well, as you know, that means they can become more productive. Yeah. Just off that one change. Yeah. Leave the drill sitting on the screw. Yeah. That's amazing, <laughs> but it's you know where I'm coming from I don't do, you, yeah I right do, yeah. and then over over the course of time, they're more productive, yeah, the director's chuffed because it costs it then he's paying less for the same amount of work that he's always co- already quoted at the clients so all of a sudden, and his profit's gone up, yeah, yeah yeah, less fatigue, health and safety wise yeah. less chance for uh, repetitive, repetitive strain, strain injury. injury, genius, <laughs> but I know what you're talking about but I know, and then it's uh, let like you say. It's seeing how that impacts everything all the way up. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And actually, yeah, you know that that um, that was pretty much the, how I kind of really st- got that development through uh, um, through the company, through the different positions. Was just by tr- you know trying to try make small um, time saving um, efficiency gains, effectively trying to make things easier for people, just trying to solve problems and that sort of thing. And before I knew it, I was moving into you know, another role and another role and another role, and then. Find myself running a team and then a bigger team. Yeah, so I think that kind of it's a a powerful message, mate. The the fact that um, actually you know just using that common sense can get you really far. You don't need those qualifications or anything else. Yeah, they are an enabler. They can open doors for you, but you don't need them. Um, Just that common sense that you you get from being in the military is is a a powerful skill set. Knowing that you got
0: it and then realizing what it does.
1: Yeah, God, yeah, MOD is absolutely pants at, um explaining that to people though. right kind of getting it through to people that um the skill set oh, maybe it, maybe it's an intentional thing cuz you yeah, you don't <laughs> actually I remember you do the whole career transition thing and you do the um you do the uh the test that you put all your you know the answers to questions in and it comes out with your list of top 20 jobs that you should do Number one army officer. I was like, oh come on, really? <laughs> when you were getting out. I was getting out. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I, didn't I didn't do that. I'll I didn't stay in. It yeah. No, it's uh but
0: powers don't go that Yeah.
1: <laughs> so um it is like um yeah, just the whole thing's rubbish, you know. The, the 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 way that the way they educate people about what options are open to people is um is really poor, I think. Yeah. It, <laughs> Maybe it's better. I, I, it was it was uh, 11 years ago that I it, got we, out. So. It's
0: not. Well, it, I, I, don't, I don't know. It wasn't when I got out. But, <clears throat> but to be fair, I mean, the, pe- like, the, the people from the career transition partnership I dealt with, uh, I mean, one in particular, Heather, Heather uh, Heather Disberry, shout out to her, awesome woman. She, I stayed in touch with her after, mm. you know, when I was working in the Middle East and for advice, um, yeah. different things. She helped me all the way along. Um, and and she she would go balls out to help out, you mm. know, um, put all the effort in. But then when it comes to that formal structure of you transition out of the military and you've got these six months and you get your resettlement, you have a career transition workshop, with the CTP. Mm. They've got so little time, and so little resources. They've got not, not enough people. Uh, it is pants. I don't
1: blame them though. Yeah. I, as in, I don't blame no, the I, CTP kind of thing. I don't blame the people. At all, because I think actually what what you're talking about there is that that one individual. You know, she's clearly done gone way beyond um, what most people probably would do. Um, it, but it's the it's the system, right? It's the system's just not set up to provide people. Well, it wasn't set up certainly when I went through. I can't talk about now, but it, when I went through, it wasn't set up to provide the best insight into what you could potentially be doing. I was dead. I was, I was certain I was going to go into a project management job, right? Because I didn't know. Anything else. I didn't know what I thought I thought a salesperson was picking up a phone and like phoning people and saying, Hey, do you want to buy this on the phone all the time? What and were you doing no one, when you're in then? Um, why 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 from why were you certain you were going to project management? What were you doing when you're in? Um well I was uh, uh so I was in the sig- I was in the raw signals. Um I, I joined as a um, as a telecommunications technician um, because that's what the uh, recruiter talked me into when I went through the uh, recruiting <laughs> office. Um, you finally not you regret it. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't because I would not be where I am today, right? There yeah, we go, someday. exactly. Um, and, uh, and then um, they realized I was a rubbish technician. I was really bad. needs used to hit things with a hammer. It was the only way I could fix them. <laughs> so uh, they're like, what do we do with this guy? Um, <clears> send him to Sandest and he can become an officer. <laughs> so then, uh, I don't know. I went straight from sanders to um uh to two um it's part of 16. so commissioned it, yeah?
0: yeah you kept that you kept that quiet i did <laughs> uh, turn the microphones off Baz. So, <laughs> <laughs> I got another one so uh, you keep that one quiet you yeah. sneaky get gone.
1: yeah so i did i uh, was at um was at two and six did um, afghan and Iraq <clears> with two and six in the early early days the P company and jumps course and everything. Um the two jolly courses I was allowed, according to my OC, Neil Fraser, who no doubt listened to this, um, said to me, The only two jolly courses you'll get in your time here are P Company and your jumps course. <laughs> P company's aren't jolly. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> so basically, um uh so yeah, I kinda then went and trained recruits for a bit and then had a job in London, um, and was basically doing comms stuff in London, supporting um uh ceremony of GTs and supporting instant response stuff. So um we'd have like a team that would go out and provide liaison links between uh, the civil authorities and the military if they were needed for natural disasters or terrorist incidents or whatever else. Um, and so I, uh, um, my wife and I, Emily and I, were having our, f- our first child, had a first child. And it was a chance to either go back to 216 or basically after being in for 10 years at that point to, to leave and start a new career. And I had the most unbelievably fortunate um, meeting um, met, met this uh, this lady called Lizzie Greenwood um, at a um, liquid, liquid list event in London not been to one of those yet it was good mate, it was really good so I went along to that um, and uh, with a, a, a lad called Matt Shea um, who was one of the full screws who was leaving and we went in and they had this whiteboard and on the whiteboard someone had wrote in Marsat, and they'd spelt it uh, I-M-M-A-R-S-A-T and I went, it's, uh, it's not spelled like that mate it's spelled I-N-M-A-R-S-A-T <laughs> He went, do you, know, do you know about this stuff? I said, like, yeah, yeah, I've used it in Afghan and Iraq. And uh, he's like, ah, okay. Uh, you want to go talk to that lady over there, Lizzie Greenwood. Um, she's looking for a business development manager, and I didn't have a clue what that meant. <laughs> but I went and had a chat with her, and she explained um, – and Lizzie was a, um ex-Navy, next ex-World Navy officer. Um, and she uh, she explained to me um, you know, what, what the job does and that sort of stuff and you know, talk, <clears throat> talking to people in the in the, uh, in the the military and t- educating them on what MOSAC equipment can do. Um, for them, how they can use it and all that sort of stuff. I was like, sounds quite interesting. Talking to people, um, you know, explaining what the technology can do, that sort of stuff. And, uh, I'm sure I can bluff myself on uh, uh, in that one. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Before I knew it, uh, I was pretty much um, in uh, into him. I, was like, I had a couple of interviews and everything, and I was still officially in. And I was at that point, I was going on a project management course. Um, and they said the guy gordon mcmillan uh, uh, xrf guy who was running the team that i was going for in in he said to me um, can you start next week and that 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 week was my last week in the army and the next week i was supposed to be doing a project management course on my um resettlement oh, and yeah. uh i was like well yeah, as long as the army will let me go out that course and yeah definitely so i went out to chat with my boss at the time um great guy called james Rosper uh he said yeah you know no problem off you, know, you can go and that was it. So I handed over all my uh, all my duties and um uh, literally finished on the Thursday and on the Monday I started at In my Um and so I, I I would have gone into a project management course. I would have come out of that and gone into a uh, started looking for a project management role if I hadn't had that um networking mm. chance meeting basically.
0: What in set do we have in the military then? When we when with Afga- well, you, you have the hericks, afghan were you on the Herricks. afghan Herricks.
1: no um i was on fingal uh oh okay so yeah i did the um 2002 yeah um short tour in, yeah. in Fingal so yeah, when I talk about Afghan it's not like no, no it's not really asked. I, I asked
0: <laughs> because I'm trying to think of the comms kit yeah. would, I ever, would I ever come across any mass at comms kit so I was, I was, I was serving from 2000 to 2011
1: yeah very likely yeah very likely uh, like so um, BGAN which is uh, a small terminal BGAN, uh, BGAN. I remember, BGAN I remember the name Bro- Bro- um, Broadband Global Area Network so it's a small terminal basically that can provide you um, access to email and the internet um, social media that sort yeah, of stuff I, that. So, I, I have brain fart all the time now so they it could have been uh in Mossat handheld um satellite phones uh for welfare um purposes uh so there are i'm pretty sure and i certainly know that um yeah the the, uh there are deployable sort of welfare kits that some of the um like they could could take up beyond uh, bastion and places like that Mm -hmm. um that people had small sort of pelican cases with Mm -hmm. uh a terminal and laptop in, but yeah, whether people got access to them. Remember the
0: bugan, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it rings about, I I forget all sorts. I had a conversation with a um, with a NFC uh, Bravo, Danny Groves. who came on, mm. and I we talking in and I had a complete. I was asking, what oh, so was a Bravo do? What's an Alpha do? Was this that you know? Was was a mobile station? And then afterwards, yeah, three days later, thinking, I know all that. In fact. I bravoed for a bit. <laughs> I knew everything. You know, I went straight on my head. It's crazy. It's crazy.
1: Oh, when you forget. It's crazy. You, know, when you forget. So considering, um, yeah, you know, the uh, I was a telecommunications technician. Yeah, you know, <laughs> telco tra- telcoms trained, telecoms trained, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I understand all about packet switching and whatever else. I'm the I'm the raw signals guy. You know, I'm supposed to be <coughs> a, a techie type. There's a raw marine uh, called Del Ashley who works for me. Um, and he was uh, at GD Marine, and then um, did some sort of SF signal stuff uh, down at Pool. But mate, he uh, he he knows more about comms in his little <laughs> finger <laughs> than than I know, full stop. <laughs> and it's embarrassing. I have no, I have uh, yeah, completely forgotten pretty much all of that sort of yeah, stuff now. <laughs> I, so, I don't think I was a rubbish tech anyway. so... how did when you when you
0: left and you got that job? How did you uh, how did you find the, that transition into it?
1: Um, as in, yeah. How did you find it? You know what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, I, did. I was going to try and specify them. It's yeah. obvious. No, I, I found it. I found it really easy. Um, the first that initial part. Uh, and I oh. was I was fortunate. Um, in that I were I was working with a lot of a lot of um, ex military people, and I, I was the customer that I was talking to was mm-hmm. largely government customers, so. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, it was the same sort of banter, the same sort of attitude to get things done, you know, to get, you know, get on with stuff, and um, and you know, that, so it, it wasn't that different in a way. I was still almost a part of that environment. Um, so I didn't have any dramas there, but um, later, uh, sometime later, I did, and it, it was actually for me, um i went for a bit of a, a kind of a, a dark place to be honest um with a whole this whole series of things and i think it, partially it was i got sucked into the corporate world and i saw the, this like i was doing well and I was succeeding and um uh, in i basically got into a place where i forgot who i was in a way um and you know. It, it, it definitely had a negative impact I think on me on who I was as an individual you know I was a different person to the person that my wife met for example that sort of thing what do you mean you, you got sucked into the corporate world <clears throat> uh, so um, like the job came first before family and before friends and um, like it does in
0: the military yeah the mission comes first yeah
1: but it doesn't need to be that way in the, in the corporate world and the worst thing is um, pretty pretty much uh, certainly, certainly now anyway, um it no one expects it to be like that like my boss, the CEO of inmos um yeah he puts family first all the time um and i've got massive respect for him for that and um and i didn 't for a, for a period of time. It was about the job I was traveling more than probably more than I needed to um to see customers and trying to you know, do deals and whatever else and I was working late and the the phone would beep and I'd be on the email and um you know not paying attention to what was going on at home and I got sucked into uh this kind of and almost like a almost like crack basically in that I was getting promoted and I was getting recognized and I was getting this development and I could see that this was all good and so um I just kept throwing myself into it and you know it's it, it's not again it's not something that I necessarily it's difficult to say. I don't really regret it because, in, in I wouldn't be here, potentially, if I'd done things a different way. It, it might have happened a bit later, but I just it wasn't right, you know. And so, what I what I realised, and actually, it took my dad dying of a heart attack um, at sixty two, quite very suddenly, for me to go, "What the fuck am I doing? Yeah, who 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 am I basically?" And um, I had this, I had then like a, a quite a big wobble. Uh, and um, struggled for a bit um, you know had like anxiety issues and stuff like that and you know I know that people from work will be listening to this and I, I'm hoping it didn't come across but I did and it was it. there were some pretty you know negative times for me and uh, um, yeah thankfully you know, my wife was great she kind of stood you know by me and everything and helped me through a lot of that stuff and whatever else but the thing that um, the thing that really sort of Got me back on track again. Um, was Team Rubicon, um, because I I realised I realised quite quick. It was actually an incident that when um, when the, when the uh, earthquake happened in Nepal um, back in.
0: 2014 15. Keep talking. I saw this light out. Okay. no, yeah, it's not flashing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. flipping uh, that the interrogation room. I thought
1: it was people talking to me. Oh, mate, right, it's not. <laughs> uh, so, basically, the um, uh, the when the earthquake happened in Nepal, um, we sent two of the lads out, uh, Del and another guy, um, John out to uh, Nepal to provide comm support to the media guys uh, and the uh, aid agencies that were on the ground. Okay, so we had some new equipment and they mm-hmm. took that out there. And they set it up in Nepal, <coughs> and um, they uh, they were then working out there for a period of time in the immediate aftermath of uh, the the big earthquake in Nepal. And um, the, the when they came back, they were buzzing. And you know, Dell was like, "Yeah, that was honestly, he's like that was the one of the best things I've done since I left the military." And we need to find a way to do that more. Right? Use us. Use the capabilities that Inmarsat has to do good as well as just, you know, doing sales. But also, you know, getting us on the ground was was a great feeling. So when uh, then the next year, when the Haiti um, disaster happened, we looked to send um, um, Dell and another guy out again. And um, uh, basically, we were told that you know you're not a recognised disaster response agency don't come out because if you do you won't be able to leave the airport okay you'll be stuck there so we're like, okay you yeah, know, fine we started looking for uh, a way to legitimize um that deployment to partner with somebody and then we found team Rubicon and um and for me that that was genuinely uh started this almost like a finding that purpose again because what I realized was I, I I didn't have a purpose right my, pu- my purpose at that time was kind of you know working doing the job and whatever else but what was it really delivering I was making money for the shareholders which is obviously important making money for people that are never probably going to meet but it didn't really um engage me in in terms of giving me that sense of purpose that i used to have when you know i used to cut around in a maroon berry and wings on my arm and you know and all that sort of stuff yeah you know, it's different so um basically then met team moved on and uh and we started that partnership and that's what really gave me that that sense of purpose again and got me really energised about what I'm doing in the job as well. So I, th- I think those two things came hand in hand. I started being better at my job and <clears> doing better at, in, uh, in, in work as soon as I had that something else that was there that was giving me um, that, that north star, I suppose, that you, you kind of then guides you and is, is you as an individual. So
0: yeah, you, you can. Yeah, I, I yeah I, I see it, mate. You know, um, and we spoke about this before. You yeah, know, um, not on the podcast, um and it's a uh, purpose objective mission and that's not you know that, <clears throat> that i i that that'll be something that a lot a lot of people don't realize they're missing until they until they realize look a career mm. a career really in that in the way you describe how you experience a negative aspect loads of people go through that why are you why are you doing your job why are you earning your money why are you flipping grafting mm. uh, Look, graft don't get me wrong because just yeah, you know, working hard at something to achieve something is good, right? Yeah, but you don't just want material nope. return on that investment of your time and energy. You want emotional investment. You need emotional investment, and you sh- it should be the emotional investment, uh, the emotional return yep. on investment that uh, overrides the material. Low, look, because gra- if cause if, it's the, if it's the if it's the alternative, you just graft in for the money, mm. and because well that's what's done, and because I'm in the city, for example, and and. And uh, a career, and I forged a you know a good a good uh, future for my kids, and blah blah blah. That's great. But you're a fucking shell of a person, mm. really. And you realise. So, so uh, I, I realised it recently. <laughs> recently yeah. myself. I when you it's funny you mentioned Team Rubicon as well. And I had Richard Sharp on, and we were talking. On there and then we were talking after and I was thinking, fucking hell, that is Ali. Team River Ali. Yeah. We should know what it's for. And I've and, and I've got a my AKUs which I bought a couple of years back for a um a forty miler, like for charity. And uh, I've got a pair of cry cry trousers, cry combat trousers, but like khaki, what did I wear them for? I bought them for the same thing. Yeah. but they knew uh, that didn't wear the knee pads there. and I was thinking <clears throat> after I with him the next couple of days and I put the boots on, I thought imagine wear these again because you need to wear them because you're on the ground you know going somewhere with a purpose with a mission because you're going to help people but you're going into like a volatile that's what that volatile environment is what appeals because we're probably the most capable and comfortable in that environment so no we're probably the most comfortable in that environment Mm. we've been there a million times before on the operations we've done so come on tell me what needs to be doing and I'm going to help people out you know I'm gonna be wearing my AKUs and my early, uh, combat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's our purpose and objective and an emotional return on it because the emotional return on that is melting people out. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a uh, it's a good thing they got going on.
1: It's brilliant. It is brilliant, and um, <clears throat> you know, I I I, uh, I, th- I thoroughly recommend any, pretty much anybody I meet now that's leaving the military. Um, <clears throat> I recommend. You know, go and, uh, go, and, go and have a chat with them because it, it, there's great networking <clears throat> opportunities. There's a lot of companies now that are looking to develop partnerships similar to the one Inmarsat has. Um, and and they, all, they are looking for this type of person. I, I, be- I believe the sort of person that is going to go out of their way that wants to volunteer to put themselves into a disaster response situation is the sort of person that I want working for me because they're the sort of person that wants to go that extra mile. That wants to dig out and you know do good things, and that that's one hell of an attribute. I'd rather have that than a degree any day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I think that there's a it, it sets a real powerful message to people. If you if you've got that on your CV, I think to people like myself, um, yeah, it, it stands out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Inherently good and honest,
0: those yeah. two things can you know you can have the stupidest person in the world oh, oh, what's the pretty correct way of putting that the least mentally capable person in the world yeah yeah but a good not only good a good person yeah and they're honest
1: well they're willing to go oh, trumps a lot of a lot yeah. of other people they're willing to put themselves into an uncomfortable position right yeah. you go out to these places you're not oh, staying I wasn't saying in a hotel. people are stupid no yeah, no no no, no. no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> jesus no, i wouldn't say neither but <laughs> um yeah yeah but you've met Richard, Richard Sharp, right? Well, I've met Richard. So, yeah. <laughs> what are you insinuating? <laughs> you might have taken a few too many blows to the head. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, no, no, the, uh, the 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 thing is, if you're willing to put yourself in a situation where um, it is going to be uncomfortable, it's only two weeks. But you know, you're not going to be living in a hotel. <clears throat> at least you can go longer if you want, can't you? You can do, yeah. Um, and, and you're willing to live in that in that kind of circumstance to do, and to do good, uh, to work hard. Uh, that's all that matters to me there uh, there is a there's a big thing about uh, about attitude i think um and it goes back to you know your time in the military the guy who's the most gifted um I, I wasn't always the guy that was the was the best or the most liked or you know it's the guy that is willing to work hard and put the graft in and it doesn't matter if they're a, a try hard type of person rather than a achieving 100 percent every time with like you know minimum effort you want the guy that's willing to go the extra mile right mm. that's willing to put in the effort that's the stuff that I think um, even in, in the commercial world now people are recognising is that attitude is is 100% doesn't matter if you've got a degree if you've got a first from Cambridge or whatever else what matters is are you willing to go and put the effort in are you willing to do something that's a bit different mm. are you willing to step outside of your what is your lane um, my job is to just do X Y and Z well actually you know I'm going to go and help that guy do A B and C as well yeah, you know, that that's the kind of person that you want, and so and I think Team Rubicon really yeah, embodies that kind of spirit mm. in people. I think. So, mm.
0: yeah, the uh, <coughs> hopefully they can get as much traction as what the Team Rubicon USA get. Yeah, they are flipping huge over there. I think the 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 their online pre, online presence, just how, how known they are. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's um, it's very, it's very, it is very different. I think the um, the the organisations in the in the US. You know they are um much more gung ho about many things <laughs> and 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 uh, in particular about supporting their veterans and supporting things like um team Rubicon over here it's it's not you don't get quite the same level of support i think and um you know one of the one of the thing like help for heroes great job absolutely great job um uh, there's no doubt in what they've done is amazing um but at the same time it, it are uh, are have, are they now overshadowing starting to overshadow some of the um other des- other veteran based organizations so what do you mean um so yeah um, to go down the rabbit hole you know yeah <laughs> go on. so i think that they the so there's two things there's two ways i look at it really to be to be um to be honest and again this isn't to say that i think they've done a great they've done an amazing job and they've turned around a lot of the opinion on veterans but is there a feeling of <coughs> um uh, almost, uh, what's the what's the term? It's like it's like a fatigue, almost for charities. Um, you know, yeah, another veterans' organisation raising money. I've already you know given to help heroes, and I've got the band, and I'm uh, you know I've supported those guys. I'm really going support Team Rubicon as well. Yeah, I've really. I
0: would I would argue it's not seen like that at all. No. Really? No, 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 no. I don't know.
1: Yeah, you know, it's no. not. It maybe it's. I don't. I don't think it's. Um, I think there was a period of time when um, raising money for um, veterans organizations um, was maybe not easier, but um, there was a lot of it going on. And I think now it, it, it definitely isn't as easy as it was. And, and, and I think you know, what, what I'm trying to get across here is that in the US, um, there, is a, there is still a lot of people giving and donating to those sorts of charities. In the UK, it's very different. There isn't as much um, of it, and maybe it's just a, a difference in the culture or whatever. I don't know, but it's certainly. What's well, it declined? So. Is
0: it um, donations to military charities,
1: or is that just? I, I think it's just harder. Think? I think it's harder. harder to get traction, in my opinion. Harder
0: so. for a charity to get traction. Yeah, well, going back to Team, so Team Rubicon. I don't think at all. It's, it's uh, no, they, they they're uh, they're donators, so they're they're targets sort or of people who would help them. Raise funds because they're a charity, like you said. they, mm. you know, they don't flip into Paul. Those people getting sent out there, they didn't. Team Rubicon didn't pay for it because they get, you know, loads of money from whatever on you know, a company they got from Charitable donations. But I think the people that are donating to Team Rubicon, the the if you looked at the majority of the donations the people who donate, they probably donate not because well, Team Rubicon uses predominantly military people. On their volunt- as volunteer base, but those the people are donating because they want to help people in crisis overseas. I, it, I, I, that's I've not even ever considered it a military charity, military charity because that's
1: not their help. Yeah, true. Um, well, they do um, because I mean, there's, so the whole the whole there's two reasons why help Team with Rubicon. money I and mean. there's two re- yeah there's two reasons that Team Rubicon was set up. One was to um, help. Yeah, very good. Uh, drinking the cider, excellent. Um, uh, as long as you don't have vomit, it's cool. Um, now, there's two reasons. There's two reasons, right? One was um, the, the whole core of uh, um, of Team Rubicon is to ha- is to help veterans, right? It's to help veterans to um, integrate <clears throat> into society and into yep. you know, whilst using those skill sets that they they ha- they got in the military to do great things around the world, and um, and I think that. Uh, the so there, so there is definitely a, a veteran aspect to it. Um, is it all about that? No, it's not because you know a lot of the guys that now deploy um, aren't just veterans. There are some, um, in, in fact, some of the guys that deploy from Inmarsat in particular, because we've got now sixty in, um, Team Rubicon trained oh, really? in the company yet. Um, some of those guys are, have no, had no military experience at all, um, and yeah, they've done great jobs in uh, on deployments but it it was it has been it is a effectively it is a you know military disaster or not military but veterans disaster response type charity um and it's not easy to to raise funds right and they do need to um to get more funding in so if anybody out there does have uh, some funds that they want to uh, donate to team rubicon then it is needed uh because uh, the 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 reality is there, there is so much out there in terms of projects that Team Rubicon could do, not just responding to disasters, but helping people prepare for disaster, um, having a proactive approach to disasters, um, those sorts of things. And th- those things need funding. And um, right now, they, they, have the, they have funding to do a certain number of projects and a certain number of responses, but they need more and the, and the reality is they ne- they, are, they they genuinely need more funding and it is not easy getting uh, getting funding out there mm-hmm. whereas in the in the US probably the re- the reality is to be fair to them they have so many disasters in the US that they respond to that it does touch the hearts of the people in in the US and so they get more funding in in, in that way i expect it's probably the reality um, but yeah, they, as a as a company, they need more corporate sponsorships. Um, they need people to come in and work with them to you know, not just bring funding, but to bring capability, to bring people and bodies um, into the organisation. So yeah, and you know, I think that's um, so that is it is, it is a genuine um, is a genuine issue. There is something else as well. Going back to um, Health Heroes, uh, that part of the. One of the unintended consequences i think um of uh some of the the work that's been done to raise money for for <clears> veterans <throat> um is that there is a bit of a perception that all all veterans have a um some kind of mental illness issue or you know they they they' they're a pity case rather than actually someone that is um that is able to really you know go and do something amazing and one of the things that um, stuck, struck me with Michael Coates' podcast when you when you interviewed him, um, and he came on and he talked about post traumatic growth. Brilliant show isn't it? Oh, it's amazing, and <laughs> yeah. I've i reached out to, Ma- to to Michael actually to um to, to follow up on this conversation. Has he responded? Yeah, yeah good, he has. Good, good, and good, we're, good. we're just trying to find a, the, the time now in our diaries. But I, I didn't. I, I, should, I just <laughs> of course he responded. I didn't mean he was, yeah. <laughs> sometimes doesn't. <he> <laughs> <on. laughs> but I think one of the unintended consequences, and this is um, also a problem that, that Team Rubicon USA has, and I've had this um, chat. The CEO um, Jake uh, Jake Wood uh, uh, CEO of CEO Team Rubicon USA um, is that there is this perception that all veterans have PTSD uh, they they are they 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 swing to violence quickly and you know they have anger management issues and you know they've got all these all these problems and you know as we're going back to talking about the um how so many veterans are now starting up these small companies that are doing really well that's not the case you know there are there are a lot of people out there that have amazing skill sets and um and as michael said um so eloquently in that in the podcast, it it actually can make you stronger. Um and I I've I've not really you know faced any of that sort of stuff myself to be honest. Um, my tours are all very easy. Uh yeah, to, to be in raw signals perhaps but although actually that's not fair to some of the guys that were in an uh, One right officer. Yeah one officer <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. Sorry. Mate. Um uh, not that's not fair to some of the guys that are on tours <laughs> later but um you know the uh, the 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 reality is um there, there are a lot of, and that's what Team Rubicon can do, right? It can take those skill sets that people um, developed uh, and really sort of yeah, and, you know, take them further and use them in uh, in situations that a lot of people would probably feel uncomfortable in. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that that uh, so that that post traumatic growth piece, I think is is a great is a great term. I need to you know do do more looking into it, but um, yeah, that was a good good podcast that one.
0: Mm. Yeah, see interesting to talk to. It. Um, I mean, one 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 way to looking at it, is that. Yeah, can make you stronger, <clears throat> or probably what the more likely it is is it changes you or it, it sort of molds yeah. you into slightly sort of core, of is the same, you know, but it molds you in the yeah. outside sort of a different area. And you, you know, some of your strengths that you had become less strong, or maybe, maybe weaknesses, maybe even weaknesses. Yeah, there are other areas you become much stronger in, like we were talking about dealing uh, in times of hardship, your know, mental resilience in times of high stress, in, yeah. you know, in, in, in situations where um, decisions, complex decisions that you made in, in a blink of an eye. And blink of an eye, and I mean blink of an eye, yeah. not like 10 seconds, blink of an eye, and you need to make the right decision. Oh, it goes Pete Tong. Um, so, th- th- so, yeah, the, uh, um, identifying those things. Uh, like, um, f- for me, what... And the reason I come on that for me, and it's probably for other people, may, maybe they not realize it. Um, not saying all people, saying some people I don't know. Um, is recognizing that, uh, as anyone in any military career, right? And this is regardless of your tours, you go through a change, there is a change, you are not as you do in life, right? And you're not the same person we joined up with when you left. Now, depending on what happens in that career mm. as a postman or in your career as a soldier yeah. or airman or sailor, well, the change in that time that affects you is either flipping, it can get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then <clears throat> the thing is with the military um, stuff, I completely agree with what you're saying. I, 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 someone mentioned about you, that pers- saying about that pers- the perception now is that veterans are um, uh, pity cases you know and I I paid that lip service before when someone said it um, I sort of give it a bit of bit of thought I can't remember what it was on the podcast I do apologise I didn't mean to pay a lip service but now when you said it I've obviously thought about it more in between and I agree I generally generally you know and, and pity may be too strong a word but I I, I get where you're going I get where yep. you're going with it and I, I agree I agree Um so going back to you know your journey through your career and, and uh, anyone and, and things change you stresses in work whatever that word may be you know um, uh, hard life decisions professional or personal and it, depending on how hard those things are over, over short the short those that period of time comes where you got those a lot of stuff's impacting you for example like a tour yep. right well that changes even more profoundly but you have less time to adjust to it um, like getting me redundant from a job. You've been in a job for fifteen years. get me redundant—that is overnight. 100%. And then all of a sudden, you changed, yeah. and you don't know how to get back from it. Yeah. What happens? Okay, that can happen to anyone. So, but your ability to recognise then—you—you you th- you tend to think then, "I'm I'm ill. I need to sort myself out." Where in actual fact, it's I've changed, and yeah. I've changed now completely. No, don't me wrong. You could be Ill at times. <laughs> it could be a bit of both. But you've changed recognizing. Holy do you know?
1: Fuck. Do you know? I think the uh, and it, and you. You're 100 percent right in that. Um, it's not just veterans, right? Especially you know, me- mental health. Men's mental health is a big issue. Um, mostly because you know we're all uh, <clears throat> macho men, and we're not going to admit that I've got you know doubts in my mind and whatever else and that kind of stuff, which is nonsense. Yeah? And and. I think that I had this conversation actually earlier today, um, believe it or not, with a guy who told me was telling me about a relative of his um, who had been made redundant um, working in the city, and um, how he had lost his sense of purpose. And We were talking about purpose, whenever I was telling him I was coming on the podcast and all that sort of thing, and um, and he was saying, yeah, you know, his uh, his relative had this um, this same issue working in the city, city banker, doing really well, you know, trading and all this sort of stuff, and all of a sudden he doesn't have a job and he doesn't know what what he's going to do. He's gone from his A-game being something that you can really identify with to now not being able to identify with it and starting to question, where am I in my life? And I think that um, that's that's not just a veteran's thing. It's, uh, It's probably something for blokes everywhere. They get to a certain point in their life when they look back and they think about all the ambitions that they had. And they're like, oh, man, you know. What have I done?
0: Yeah, but what were the ambitions in the first place, though, Paul? It's like, um, <clears throat> the ambition in the first place, probably, uh, I want to own a fucking yacht, you know? Yeah. Or I want to have a, a mega house forever, or that kind of thing. My What I think now um, is, oh, I just want to do the things that make me happy. I just want to do the things that make me happy. In the short term, and the long term. Yeah. That's it, because in the short term, like, it... In, that makes me happy, and, yeah. and if I build it in the right way, does not impact work? Okay, it actually makes me more productive at work because I'm happier in yep. general. I'm doing the things that make me feel good, as long as those things are reputable. <laughs>
1: but yeah, you're, do you know? Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, th- I think that's the point, though, Hugh. I think that the um, when you when you get at that point in your life, and I think that a lot of people do go through that, um, regardless of their background. I think the point is that you have to you have to accept that um you know actually what those things that i wanted that i thought i was going to get in my life maybe weren't realistic or they you know they just didn't happen for whatever reason there's no point dwelling on that there's no point regretting it it's focusing on exactly as you say what's going to make me happy now and and that was um i think where for me when i went through that whole you know that lack of purpose and i found team rubicon it i i was able to start to um See things differently. as I was able to see how lucky I am to uh, to have a you know beautiful supportive wife and great kids and um, to not always great. Sometimes they little buggers, but <laughs> you know what I mean. You're listening as well, aren't you? Your little horrors. Um, so you know, all the way. They are five, nine, and twelve, thirteen, thirteen next week. Um, anyway, and all girls beautiful little horrors but yeah the little horrors anyway but the point being um you begin to realize then actually how lucky i am i've got a good i've got a good group of friends uh you know that that um, have been through some some of them been through similar things and some of them i've known for a long time whatever else they're they're good guys i've got a yeah i've got a bloody good job um i'm doing really well i'm respected and i've got a small business why am i feeling like this and and actually, is that at that point when I I, I kind of I, I sort of started really being able to step back and think about where I am in my life that I realised that actually <laughs> bloody hell, you know what I've got a real opportunity here to do some really good stuff. I've got an opportunity to um, shape the way the business goes and actually start to do some things that are pretty that are pretty cool that have a positive impact um, on uh, the people that are working with me for me whatever you want to put it that the, the the communities that we're working with the the sorts of projects that we're working on and we're focusing on um the ability to be able to help people go have the opportunities that i had when i left the army through meeting that one lovely person lizzie um who you know and then getting all those opportunities where people she's still at um, the business no nah, she's she's um she's moved on now but um <laughs> uh yeah she's yeah she's she's great uh she'd be a good person to actually have a chat with sometime on the podcast but she's done some interesting stuff in her life um but so to be given those opportunities i can I can now give other people those opportunities i've got, that's in my power that's in my power to help people to be able to go through some of those um some of those same experiences it is in my power to to help shape the direction of Inmarsat as a company being part of the executive team. Um, uh, and um, be able to take that that company to do great things, and the company's been built on doing great things, right? It's built on providing safety at sea's communications, which yes, you know, we we save um, we save lives every day on average uh, uh, at sea through the safety systems that we have on board ships. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, the four or five de- four or five lives a day is is the average, basically. So, the company's built on <laughs> doing amazing things. Um, and then I start to look at some of the projects that we 're <clears> working on now, whether it 's in aid and development and disaster response or whether it 's in mining where in in a mine we can help a mine be more sustainable or we can increase safety standards in mines um, so to to help the local communities around the mine um, to not be impacted by um, by things that are going on there by using technology to to drive efficiencies in in, in mines or to drive efficiencies in a global supply chain. Um, and, and to help impact economies around the world and all, all this sort of stuff it's like and it's, it sounds pretty grand to say that but that's genuinely something that I can actually do mm-hmm. that's nuts that's absolutely nuts mm-hmm. um, and and so that having that moment to I think get it, getting Team Rubicon into my life that, that helping then clear that cloud that I was surrounded by um, you know whether it's the black dog story about depression or whatever um, and get clear in that, and starting to really see how lucky I am. Um, you, know, that, you know that's important. I think.
0: Do you think it's achievable to get that perspective on what you're missing, or what, or how you're doing things wrong, or your outlook on things, and what you need to do to improve your 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 your, your life? Do you think it's uh, achievable to get that perspective without having to go through the hardships? Um.
1: Oh, that's a good question i don't know uh i think some people genuinely do have it um i think that uh actually you know and this is probably one of the problems in 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 our society today is that people don't talk enough about those those feelings right and so yeah, you know i, I was I, there was a whole bunch of situ of circumstances that helped me get through that but the but the problem i mean it sounds like my whole life has been a whole set of circumstances where i was in the right place at the right time to get where i am today but um and that's probably the reality but the uh the the, the fact the thing the fact is that people need to that there, there is a bit there is a moment where you dive into that trough and you're in the bottom of the valley and getting out of it feels impossible and and it and it and i I think that if people talk about those things, there are people that can help them get out of that valley, Like can get, help them get out of that trough and, and get to that point where they can again see some of that, those positive things in their life. But if it's the, when people don't talk about it and when people don't you know, um, reach out and talk to people that I think that's when the bad shit happens. Mm. And uh, and that's way too frequent at the moment.
0: Mm. Um, I, I, I think I mentioned you before about Jordan Peterson's book, *Travelers for Life*. Yeah, I <clears> started it, and it's that's almost. A, oh, you started it, mm. That title—it's is all it's just like it does it injustice. It makes it sound as like one of those like gimmicky. Uh, how to you expand your mind? How to be a? How to be the big guy? That kind yeah, of, yeah, it's not though. Um, and one of the things mm. in there, you don't purpose. to put this? And uh, I've been up and down with that. Uh, it's, in fact, not up and down. What the fuck are we talking Oh we hope your kids aren't listening to this uh i uh i i'd say i say that crisis um but over a much shorter period of time um it did it sounds like i don't think it affected me half as much as it did you um i'm a deep thinker anyway so i go i go i go down the rabbit hole and then' I'm like, on that you know, it sort of has a superficial impact on it on me even though when i'm talking it sounds like i'm gonna flip in one and wanna, you know split yeah. split the atom <laughs> um and it is our uh, purpose like what uh, it what it was i i that was my realization I, but, hey, there we go it was my realization um i need a mission that's how i put it myself so i need I was, I was explaining it i, I need a mission so i need i need i need a mission with an objective yeah i almost and but at the time i was saying I always i almost needed an mission an object- objective that is unattainable but still enticing so mm. I can keep working towards it that's life right that's life you keep working yeah so what is it yep. what is it the, the problem is is that 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 everyone needs that that's your that's your purpose I'm just saying mission it's your purpose what's your purpose well your purpose in life well that, you're gonna that's whatever drives you to keep going because you're never going to achieve it you're not alright I'm I'm just <laughs> bear with me, and see if it's. Yeah. Um, and so that was my argument. I had a few conversations, a few friends. Yeah. Like, what's the fucking point? You know. Um. I don't know. Uh. I don't know. What's the, What's the point? Tell me. Why? What? What should I be doing? Because something's not. Something's not right yet, And then I was reading. Uh. Well, I was listening to J. JP. <laughs> John Peterson's book. And I'm listening to it a second time now. Fifteen hours worth of listening i am gone through it a second time now because I want to take things back in. And um, he comes on a, a massive chapter on it. He Well, he comes on it several times about purpose. And, God, I can't even replicate what he says. He just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. But basically you're saying, you know, you, 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 you can't define your purpose. You can't choose your purpose. Like, I can't say... T- that's my purpose, Team Rubicon. I can't say it. I don't choose that. You can't if you because if you if you define it like like in your in your in your conscious, you define it as a person. That, that that's not that's not in there inside you. That's not it's not what's going to drive. It's not what's going to keep that fire burning. But you can find your purpose mm. and. One of the things he's, he's basically... He refers back to his, his um, patients he's dealt with over the years. He's a clinical psychiatrist over the years and years and years and years. Some had, a lot of those have been uh, ex-military, you know, PTSD sufferers and mental health and all sorts. He's dealt with everyone, right? Yeah. He said, well, what you can do is help yourself with little things, which is what the 12 rules of life are. And and when he comes on when he's... Uh, this is one thing that sticks in my mind and everything. He said... He said um, I think this is in his chapter, and the chapter is, the chapter is uh, put your own house, put your own house in order before you try to fix the world. And there's another one which is, um, and that's just a chapter heading. The other one which yeah. is uh, treat yourself like someone needs to be, treat yourself like someone needs to be cared for. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I took, I literally in the car, it, taking everything he's in and, and repeating it. I went through a stage of those two things. I get in the morning, you know, because I I struggle with a lot of stuff it's a struggle I just crap at being a human being <laughs> right on the surface great and then underneath no it's just rubbish at it rubbish at it at all aspects of it and I started drilling those two things in my head and um because part of the purpose thing was he said one of the ways one of the things that help you find your purpose is do what makes you feel happy do yeah. what makes you feel good yeah and reduces things that don't do anything really don't you feel good you just do it because of the do um an example of that would be money so i was working you know nine till five uh no no it wasn't It's was like seven thirty till 4 four thirty um every day and then three or four nights for a week i go straight from work i, I drive home wouldn't even get home straight to work bar work until midnight because i needed the money yeah and then as i was listening to all this stuff um and realizing things i thought okay and I, again, my I'm very logical black and white as well. Yeah. So my brain came in. and thought, Okay, right, let's work this out. Let's try and let's back up what's been said. If I, if I cut out, like all the bar work in, in the night, right, um, and just keep one. So if I cut this out, I got more free time to myself. That means I can take myself to go and do what I do, like gym. Let's get not yeah. not gym, like BJJ, you know, yeah, yeah. jiu jitsu. What do that once a week. So I'll be happier so all my side my, my sideline projects which sort uh, of you know make money other businesses can if I'll become more productive at those Yeah. so they'll sort of that me being doing what I want to do less t- let more play less work will make me more productive ha- happier more productive and then the money that I make on the other businesses will kind of balance the fact I've just pinned off did it? What happened? Yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, you know, I got, I, it did, it all balanced itself out. But I was happier for it. it was the same thing. Um. So yeah, be, being good, do what you want to do, and that, and that bring you purpose, and, and, and. I don't like in my head now. I don't have. I don't my. I don't have a purpose. i set myself a purpose because I know what makes me happy. What makes me happy is helping people. This is why this is why we're having this conversation. Why I started yeah. this. I, I just like to help people. I do, generally. And the people who know me best n- know that. You know, And I've had a lot of help from people as well. Right? It makes me feel good. I feel like I have an obligation to do it because I'm in a privileged spot in certain ways. I'm privileged to be sitting here speaking to you and getting your experiences and have this... Um, you know, set in to be able to do it. I'm privileged to know the people I know and I'm privileged to have the experiences I've had mm. because 99.9% of the world haven't had the experiences they've had. No. You, know, you know, they just haven't. So, and I can pass that information on. Um, so that's my set thing. Yeah. I would like to make people feel good. But going back to the inherent, what's my put? why should I be here? I haven't even questioned it because I'm just generally... yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm I'm happy. I justn't. Yeah. I, I'm rolling. Just leave me. Leave me. Leave
1: me. Leave me. Crack on. I, I think that's. I think that's the important. The important thing. The reason I, I kind of twitched a bit when you uh, when you first talked about it, you thought your purpose was um, <coughs> was these unachievable like ambitions that you're always striving for and that's what's <coughs> going to keep you going in life. That's not achievable, right? It's not sustainable because mm-hmm. um you, you I I don't I what the way I think about purpose is isn't a set phrase like. You know, I I want to do X, Y, and Z, but what actually is it that gives me a a good that good feeling? What is it that gives me that, that <clears> sense of you know I'm, I'm doing well here? You know, the thing, I'm, I'm happy. Um, I feel good about life. I want is to that get what it bed. is?
0: Is but is that what it is? So is it is you pur- is the purpose? Is the purpose? We got it, mate. We got the answer here, right? Is the purpose? Because the the question disappears when you're happy. Yeah, the question disappears. Yeah. I don't have I don't ask that. So is the, is the purpose to be happy? Because I, what I was asking and there's a couple of good mates I was in conversation with They I yeah. said when you're on your deathbed what what will you think yeah. wh- what will make you think did I have a good life or a bad life? Did yeah. I
1: achieve what I didn't achieve? Do you know for me yeah so for me it was <laughs> no, Right on the rabbit hole. Yeah. Do you know <laughs> number number one I want to be a good dad. Right? I want to be I had, a, I, had a, I had an amazing dad. My dad never had a dad and he never knew his dad and uh so he never had a template how, of how to be a dad and um he was great and he was that you know, amazing bloke um and i want to be if i could be half the man that he was i mean that would be a win for me i want to be i want to you know, not because he was a welshman or anything but, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i want to I wonder be, why you are the welsh jewish yeah yeah now i um uh so i i want to be a good dad i want to be a good husband I, I want to be a good friend to people that you know, uh, uh, my mates, you know, that invested in me, that help me out, all that sort of stuff. I want to be able, to, I want to be able to have a positive impact on people. I, I want to help people in their careers, and I want to be able to you know do good things. And so, you know, the for me, I'm, I am, I was never a salesman, right? Although I did sales for quite a while, account management sort of stuff, you know, um, which is different. But I, it was always about. Helping solve solve problems and getting things done and whatever else. For, so for me, my, my purpose in life is is to is to really to try and kind of do good things for people, right? And to to kind of to be a to be a good dad, to be a good husband, <clears throat> to be a good mate to people, to to be a good boss, to help people to kind of be the best that they can be in what they do, and that gives me a real sense of achievement and pride. You know, if I can if I'm having a positive impact on someone's life, then oh, Fuck me, that gets me out of bed in the morning. And yeah, you know, there there are obviously there are selfish things that, that I want to do in life as well, like go to the gym and you know, go and have a beer every now and then have a laugh. That's not selfish. No, because you've got to look after yourself, right? Before you can look after other people. Um so, 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 yeah. 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 So so that so that kind of does does drive me on. And but um but yeah, so that's my purpose basically. I think is um it's not a set statement, but it's about what does really motivate me. And yeah, yeah making money does that really motivate me? If I think about my job and um, is it necessarily the hitting the targets that motivates me or is it helping? So I I think I'm turning around this business unit in Marsat and it was in double digit decline for a period of time and we're, we're changing the um, we've changed the strategy dramatically, and we're turning it around to do a totally different thing in, in um industrial i o t internet of things and technology and wherever else is the um is the goal for me in that to hit my targets every year what is what is it that when I think about the statement that that really excites me about it it's about achieving that turnaround it's about taking but being on that journey that takes something that is basically failing turn it into something that is a success and everybody being able to kind of come out the back of that and going look what we did mm-hmm. we've fucking smashed that we we've we've taken something for, that has been in decline to being a huge success that has been pe- people are always saying no nah, that's never gonna succeed mm-hmm. that's never gonna succeed to we're now we're now knocking this right out of the park. We're winning. As a group of people, and I want to see that pride in in people's faces. I want to see that I'm part of this winning team, and that for me really drives me. And that whole bringing people along on that journey, and um, us succeeding and getting to that point, that's when I'll look back on that and I think I say to people, "You're going to put that on your CV. We've taken this group from being in decline to being a massive success. For some of the younger people in that group, that'll make their careers." They'll be able to. They'll be able to, They'll be able to get you know better jobs, promotions, or whatever else on that. It's a real win. I try it one. Yeah, good for me. Well, well, why do if you get that
0: saying? Um, everyone loves an underdog. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. i lo- I love the underdog. When Japan beats South Africa in that rugby match, <laughs> right? There's a video of me. I didn't know it'd be recorded. Yeah, I am on the top of my couch going mental when they get that. La- they get that try. They get a, the, the ball out and they got to score one more try. To, they, so they what happens at half time? I think they're drawing at half. Do you remember the match? Yeah, I do. Oh my god, the greatest rugby match ever! Yeah, Japan and yeah. South Africa in a, yeah. in a world cup. Yeah, and half time, I think Japan were level with South Africa, and the Japanese in the crowd they were crying. They were crying with happiness. Yeah, they were level or just beating them at half time, and they were crying, mate. Like it was unbelievable. And then it gets to the last. 30 60 seconds 60-30 like seconds something like that and Japan got the ball they got to score a try to yeah. win the match yeah. and they're trying to get this ball out I'm on the couch going mental what? I love South Africa yeah. awesome Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got no ties to Japan whatsoever <laughs> but they're the underdog Yeah, how amazing you know the reason I'm asking it is uh, anyway so Japan yeah, they get the ball out score a try it's like the greatest match ever <laughs> greatest match ever yeah brilliant and uh uh, oh, with the Kiwi, was it not with the Kiwi coach? They're the Kiwis coached, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, why do people love the underdog? It's it's not it's because people like to see people succeed. Yeah, it's a that's a. I'm gonna phrase that. People like to see people below them succeed, or oh, they be seated below them, right? It's like you know, you get. It's, it's great to see Elon must, Elon must succeed but I'm not really asked. no <laughs> yeah, like he, if you yeah when he, if he was that's a bad analogy yeah, yeah. that's a bad analogy no. that's a fucking terrible analogy, <laughs> <a bad> analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I analogy. Yeah, anyway yeah. you know what I mean I do they know they want like, to see if he succeed you like to see you like to hear about the tramp yeah okay in the news and he gets donated all that money yeah in Australia have you heard about him the one with yeah. the trolley the trolley guy he's a tramp and they've gotten um, like a hundred uh, I think they had like 15 grand or 30 grand donated australian dollars donated overnight well and then they found him and they're going to give him the money well they love to see him succeed Yeah, obviously he's a hero but and fucking am to be this underdog like to see people succeed yeah. why because it makes you feel good why because people are improving
1: yeah uh, you know and I, I think um i had no point there whatsoever i don't know where i was going. <laughs> I get it i don't totally get it <laughs> i think the um i think taking over uh if you if you say you're given a team all right, and that team is like a game knocking it out of the park and you've got to maintain that bloody hell that's hard work right yep. that, that is because uh, well, you're constantly fighting to try and make something that's already really good better mm-hmm. um, but I love this I love the challenge I love the I love the um, the opportunity to and bloody hell you think about <coughs> where I'm from and my background and I, I've been given this opportunity by InMarsat to take something that is failing and make it succeed uh i don't i don't think there's many companies that would give someone that has on, and certainly on paper my cv um uh the, that opportunity and so i i i i've got a lot of loyalty um to the company for that and you know and i i'm going to win one way or another i am going to bloody win um and it, in that, and it it if whatever it whatever it takes to an extent i'm not going to never going to put the job in front of my family again but um whatever it takes to an to an extent i will i will make sure we win and and you know i've brought in some people that on on paper um you know you that don't fit in 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 the company but they're changing the way we think they're coming in from other industries and they're coming in from different different areas and they are challenging the way we think about things and they're challenging me and helping me to develop as well right and so we're bringing this company along in a in a direction and I, that's really cool. I look, why does
0: it, why does that actually exist then? With uh, why why is the CEO I take it and the board willing to um, uh, take those leaps of faith and 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 do things go against the grain?
1: Uh well, I think um, the 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 real Well, the real, I think the reality is that uh, the if you think about the way the, the company was going or well, the way this the, the team was going um, at the time it was about um, providing communications on an event basis to, to different um, organisations that are using it every now and then like a media broadcast company that's in Libya that may use it for a little while and then not use it again um, they may, may, go, may go and do um, some mining exploration but then commodity prices crash and no one's exploring and mining anymore um, it may be about oil and gas, but the oil and gas market crashes, and then nobody's using the service and um, I think yeah basically uh, I was asked what would you do differently and so I said, well, okay, I would uh, use existing technology, not kind of create new technology um, not to, not wait until we develop something new and shiny, but use existing technology to do something different to try and do something different and um, and uh, so I, th- I think the the com- and it was a punt you know the company 100% have taken a punt on, on me and my background but it was the fact that you know, I, was, I was willing to put together given the powers given the tools on that MBA I was actually only about halfway through the MBA at the time given the tools that that MBA gave me to be able to then say okay look I, there's an opportunity here there's a market that's forming to not just use communications as a means to access the internet or send email or make voice calls but to actually make um, positive changes in an an organisation to help them understand the way their business is operating, to gather data, use sensors to gather data on the ground that gives them insights into the way they're operating that can mean that they are able to um, reduce downtime on vehicles um, because they're able to predict if there's going to be an issue, to reduce safety um, issues or incidents by putting sensors in that can... Um, tell if there's going to be a dam that's going to rupture in a mine or whatever it may be if you can if you can take if you can drive those um insights to a company that they can then make. Decisions based on data rather than on gut or mm-hmm. on experience, then it 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 means that you can you can really have a positive impact on that on that organisation. So um, we yeah we we pitched this, and at the time we didn't have any of those capabilities um, as a company. We didn't know okay how are we going to deploy those solutions. Um, and uh, I was you know, I was told okay look, put put uh, secure the existing business that you've got. Stop the decline there as much as you can. And then go out and start to grow this um, industrial Internet of Things, This, which is basically just selling solutions that can help people make smart business decisions. Go and d- start to grow that business. And so I went out and... You know, I, I I've not done that myself. I went out and found those some of those skill sets. I bought them into the company. And um, we started to change the way by constant development of the process and the thinking and by by being op- driving, a, driving, a, creating an environment where people were open to change understanding that we're not going to get this right first time it is going to be about constantly having to change and develop the organisation until we get it right and we start <coughs> going in a direction and I took over that team um, two years ago and we've secured that core business now we've got it on a track to back to um, low low growth it stopped the decline in it and we're starting to grow some really exciting opportunities and I think the company basically just had uh, you know had the were brave enough basically to say okay you know let's um let's give this a go let's give this a go right let's give this guy an opportunity he's here saying he's confident he, that he can do it Um, let's give him a chance uh, and why are you <laughs> and he wears beard oil
0: because <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> it's uh he wears no speed oil. Did, he wears beard oil yeah did
1: I did I did I uh did I 100% have a plan <laughs> did I 100% have a plan no of course I didn't but yeah. um yeah I I never when the when the um when, when the CEO I was pitching this at the time and I was saying yeah we can do this we can do that and I was expecting to be told okay um you know we're going to put you into a role now to help develop the strategy of this team and take it in a direction and the CEO said to me um, so do you want to uh, run the business unit do you want to be president of the enterprise business unit and I was like holy fuck <laughs> <laughs> Richard sat there in his office like okay don't don't show our shop jar don't show our shop jar <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely Rupert I can do that um, no problem uh, I'm going to knock this out of the park 100% I'm all over it and and um yeah and yeah this is the for me and he and i'm pretty sure he knows this because you know me for quite a few years um i'm pretty sure he knows that um in my character you give me that kind of challenge to do something and i'm gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) I'm i'm like okay you know what i'm gonna do this and uh so and we are gonna do it uh and so yeah you know and it's probably the the there's been many times in the last two years when I've kind of thought, "Shit, um, yeah, is this going where where I needed to go?" People problems and you know that sort of stuff. Oh and, God, they would always be there, <laughs> won't they? People, mate, people are idiots, yeah. including those People yeah. are morons, yeah, exactly. we <laughs> morons at some point. But, what do you mean, right. leaving for more money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know so uh, and yeah basically it's just been a case of okay um react you know react to that problem or i can see a problem coming proactively get in front of it um and and now we've, you know we've got, i've got this great team and I, I sit we're in this open plan office space and i sit there <laughs> at the back and i kind of look across and i'm like whoa <laughs> i'm in charge of this <laughs> There's people here that are experts in mining and um, yeah, they they they're ex- experts in precision agriculture and people that have led massive sales team. Precision agriculture.
0: Oh yeah, go on, go so, on. I think it doesn't involve Farmer Giles and his uh, combine harvester.
1: Well, it involves it involves autonomous uh, harvesters. It involves <laughs> uh, harvesters. it involves, wow. um, it involves really? using sat- satellites to do precision uh, harvesting of crops in places like Brazil. Um, to provide uh, GPS augmentation to be able to to be able to harvest the the crop that is the most ripe in the ready for harvest, and it, it involves sensors in the ground that can tell you um, yeah if, if a certain area is uh, saturated with um, uh, with water and, and actually doesn't need to be uh, to be irrigated, or if an area is drier and so does need to be irrigated, which means that you can control the irrigation system. Not just to pump out in a um uh, to, to in a in a uh, kind of standard bog standard way, but to be able to tailor the way the irrigation system works to drive the maximum efficiency and the you know, the yield of the crop. Um, which Which means that you get a better yield in the crop you cut down on diesel to pump the gen- that 's used to drive the generators to pump the irrigation systems, you use less water so it's better for the environment and all this sort of stuff so you know we've got we 've got these we've got these insane insane people in my team that people that have been in marketing for years and they 're like <laughs> they 're working for me oh like, what this is mental. But yeah, you know, I and like you say it's a privilege, you know. It is a massive it's, it's a massive privilege where I am. But it's exciting. It sounds like, Are
0: you doing uh you got any uh, anything on the horizon for monitoring the
1: uh oceans and not the ships. So, um yeah, it is a good question. So <laughs> we we've got we already have solutions that do um tsunami warning uh systems. Um, so okay. uh, that couldn't tell you if there's a surge in um, uh, in water levels that can uh, that can really basically predict if there's a tsunami going to hit a particular area. We have, we have solutions deployed like that. Um, the, we were a, and we are, a sponsor of the Volvo Ocean Race, so one of the maddest around the, the world. The what, sorry? The Volvo Ocean Race. Okay. So around the world yacht race. <clears throat> um, a completely mad event. And one of the, the team that um, by far i was the most drawn to was uh turn the tide on ocean plastic um and uh quite a long name but um you know a amazing uh team and they um, had sensors on their boats that were basically um filtering through seawater and they were looking at the plastic content um and you know basically driving this as a study so it wasn't just about gives off a classic uh Things like microbeads yeah. or pla- plastic um, fragments. Oh, uh, that sorry, are degraded, okay, Whatever else. And yeah. so they're like filtering it all through. And so um, they they were in the race, obviously, to do as well as they could. Um, but they had a very uh, – they, they took a punt on the crew. Uh, they were the only crew that had um, 50-50 male-female. Um, they had uh, a – Was all the rest all male? No, they they all had a mixture of um, male and female, but it was predominantly male and all the other crews um so and yeah, captained by this uh, uh, absolute um inspirational woman called Dee Kafari um uh, Dee Kafari Dee yeah, Kafari a Brit um and uh and she um basically had to she captained this boat and this boat was basically going around and dragging all these statistics out of the ocean and dra- looking at the plastic content and um things like microbeads what's so, in the ground Um, basically sailing she's done all sorts of these people are professional sailors what about the research though with the the pollution um, I don't know how they got into it to be honest Uh, but basically what what they the way they what they found was the microbead content for example in the oceans was off the scale um, way beyond what they thought they were going to find and and, quite scarily so and you think about this is stuff that's (laughs) going into fish that we're then consuming ourselves okay and these microbeads are then in our food uh so you know they were they were trying to drive this campaign to really uh, help people understand the impact on the oceans and so yeah in my sat's involved in a number of different things like that um and uh the i think the, the the future of this sort of stuff is um around how can you how can you put sensors out there that uh starting to track those sorts of things. I'm getting short on time, but I mean, the thing is with,
0: um, with uh, what you're talking about is that with the computing power we have these days and with the, with the attitude that we're starting to have towards data because we can harvest, harvest big data and those three words go together on and on, on on. Yep. It's, uh, it's, the, the problem the The problem is uh, not being able to store the data. Okay, you can analyze it however you want. The problem's not storing it. The problem's collecting it. So, from a you know, for, I can see what you're saying from a commercial aspect. My, my ideal thing, uh, yeah, I've been involved with facilities management uh, in the past, and um, and in the design of the Blue Abyss building. Yep, and my my thing with it is that I no, my ideal scenario would be a flipping sensor in every millimeter every every inch of that building because from a FM point of view, well if I can tell just take if I can tell uh, how many people are frequenting a room over so many months and days and years and and it varies varies and this that and the other well just just take the AC for example. If I yeah. can if I can monitor that, and this is really basic, this is super basic, it's been getting done for years, super basic. Yep. You know, if I can... It comes on what you are saying about minds, though. That's super basic. Well, if I can teach that AC to not be on on the fourth Tuesday of every sixth month, because for the last two years it's been like the least used room and it just, just, just the way it is, you know, for yep. example. Or, if we get a certain group of people into the building, you know, into my building, um, that, uh, for two days after, that room is going to be uh, mega hot because of whatever they're doing in it. Or that facility, part of the building, is gonna be, well, and it does it automatically. Like it comes onto their minds, exactly. It's on a greater scale for those big, big corporate entities halves in the information analyze it however you want we've got a facility to store data how do we collect it yeah sensors and communication are the issue yeah. well if, if you've got those two things
1: yeah you know, if, you're very good, if you're very good at those two things the, you're very good there, there, are, there are there are so many solutions out there now the in the past like the whole big data and internet things machine to machine people just put out loads of sensors and gather loads of data and then um, then what do you do with it you know the the point is you need to understand what the problem is mm-hmm. that you're trying to solve and then deploy yeah. the solution that solves that problem. And um, and that, that's basically what the, my team and I are, uh, are doing and InMarsat is doing in other areas as well. Um, and, and in particular, in, in areas where you know there isn't robust communications or there isn't a network. So um, in places like Africa and you know, South America and Norfolk, uh, <laughs> um so yeah yeah um yeah, so yeah there there is a there is a, there's a great opportunity to do some pretty cool stuff um out there which is which is really exciting um employing technology to help people make smart decisions to improve the profitability that um of that of that mine or farm or whatever else, but also to help drive the sustainability of that farm, or whatever it may be one of the biggest challenges we face uh, globally. Driving food production, right to to feed the growing population, um, you start to use technology <clears throat> to help make smart decisions around how you grow crops and get the most yield out of things, and that is going to help with that that um, that issue in the future. Driving cooperative farming and all those sorts of things it's, it's really exciting stuff, and that that's the sort of stuff going back to that purpose, where those sorts of things really drive a vein through. A lot of the projects that we're doing now, having positive impacts on the planet and on people, um, and that, that's stuff that gets me excited and yeah, it gives me that sense of purpose that I was lacking and I've now got. Awesome, mate.
0: Ah, it, um, I nearly said that's it. It's not it. You've got, um, this is your, uh, we need to wrap it up. I'm looking at the time. Flip a neck. <laughs> uh, shameless plug opportunity. Now, I know that. In my side, I've got some form of veterans networking event, or am I wrong? No, nope. like, totally what, right. So,
1: uh, 3rd of December, um, we've got an event in uh, in in, uh, in London at our Old Street headquarters. Um, we've got a lot of veterans in the company, and the initiative that we're driving basically is um, to bring people in that are going through um, uh, the uh, Career Transition Partnership Process. We're working in uh, hand in hand with the uh, career transition partnership. Oh yeah. Oh yep. good. Okay. Cool. And a bunch of other organisations. And um, on the so on the third of December, we're looking to bring people in to the uh, to the company. Uh, beer and pizza. Uh, and then have a panel um, led by uh, a clown called Paul Godonis. Uh, and, um, before or after the beer? <laughs> uh, before. Um, and uh, yeah, make make sure people go through the panel discussion first before we give <laughs> them access to. <laughs> Otherwise, I bugger off. Um, so you yeah, come in, um, talk to myself, uh, talk to a group of others. So we've got a guy that's just left, um, left the uh, two and six parachute signal squadron as a lance corporal, um, a young lad called a- uh, Ash Fletcher. Um, so he's uh, he's going to be there on the panel. We've got Del Ashley, um, the the bootneck that I was talking about before, and and a few others that are going to be on that panel. And so, um, basically, it'll be an opportunity for people to ask questions and the, and then do some networking. We're going to get people together afterwards. And one of the things that we're we're, we're hoping we'll get from that is. Um, Approximately forty-ish uh, people that were interested in um, uh, being mentored uh, throughout 2019 to help things like CVs, uh, to help with, um, if they've got questions about how to do interviews or um, you know, how to approach people proactively, all those sorts of things. And so have these have these in mentors, both both ex military military veterans and uh, and civilians, help people through this uh, this transition. Um, and there's no there's no promise of a of a of a job out of it for for these guys, but there will be roles that will come up um, throughout 2019 that we will like to feed these people through. Um, it, at the very minimum, if it just gives them some practice uh, for for things like interview skills and whatever else. Um, uh, ideally, there'll be some uh, there'll be some roles out of it as well. Um, there's one thing that uh, you know I I believe and that's that the the veteran community people leaving the military have two great skills that they should harness and getting shit done just basically that ability to um, work through a problem and, and find a resolution and not being a dick and oh. the, those are two things no, not you, everyone what, not what, everyone what gets what did you like,
0: work with <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not, everyone, not work with. Not no, gets I agree. Right. I agree. I've I stolen agree. that actually straight from uh, from Jake Wood, um, the CEO of Team Rubicon USA, the founder of Team Rubicon. Um, those are the two guiding principles for Team Rubicon at USA and UK and all the others. Don't be a dick. And get shit done. <laughs> and do you know what? Those are rules to live life by. Um you do that, you're gonna be a winner. So, third of December. Right. Uh, check out In Mossat's social what time, media. What time? What time? Uh it's gonna be in the evening. I can't remember the time exactly. Um, but it's gonna be in the evening, early evening.
0: And Old Street, and that's right and your office is right outside Old Street, isn't
1: it? Oh, right, right outside Old Street Roundabout. Check out In Mossat's um social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, that Hang sort on. of stuff. Old Street Roundabout means jack shit, the people that Old Street tube, stairs, tube station tube
0: station yeah no, it's, ah I thought you can walk to your office from Liverpool Street can't you you can
1: there we yeah, go I do there you go. Okay, days there you go. Go, sorry, go so um, yeah check out the social media stuff and uh, it will be on there soon and we'll be uh, we'll be advertising but yeah 3rd of December awesome come on down absolute pleasure yeah cheers buddy thanks you
0: That is it. Hope you enjoyed Before I Forget. I don't have to say that because we can just re-record, but I'm saying it anyway. On the twentieth of November twenty eighteen. So you are stuffed if you listen to this after, which is highly likely. Twentieth of November twenty eighteen. Leavers Link event uh in Colchester, starting at six thirty PM at the officers club. That is a free networking event for service leavers where they connect service leavers with business people or other service leavers who go out and will pass on their advice to you. It will help you transition to Civvy Street or, if you're already out, help you find a new career if you're looking for one. That is the 20th of November in the Colchester Officers Club. It's right smack in the centre and it's free parking and all sorts. Cool. Another shout out to our sponsors, Westway Nissan. 20% 20% discount, up to 20% discount for service leavers or serving personnel. WestwayNissan.co.uk or WestwayNissan on social media. Also, Rugby for Heroes. You can find them on social media. So, Instagram they're on, I know that. Twitter they're on. Are oh, they're on Facebook as well. They're on everything. At Rugby number four heroes. Next event is next year, 10th to 11th of May 2019. Uh, rugby players drinking beer and gin. Awesome lastly sponsoring us today are team rubicon the disaster response charity who respond to disasters not only overseas but also in the uk helping out people most in need and they do so with pe- with volunteers who are predominantly ex-military so they help those guys and girls transition to civil street and get on in life which is fantastic does it until the next. oh no it's not it team rubicon flipping heck what am i on about team rubicon uh, uk.org maniac uh until the next time out